Have you ever been to a, a fast food restaurant? And on the window is the picture of the burger or the chicken sandwich or the hoagie or whatever it is that they're selling. And you have that nice picture on the window and you go in and you order it and it comes back in the bag, on the plate, whatever it is, and it doesn't quite look the same. The burger's a little squished. The lettuce is a little wilted. It's just not quite what's in the picture. I heard a story of one man. He got this and he actually took it back up to the register and he said, can I get one that looks like that? (laughs) Maybe you've ordered some things off of the TV ads out of a catalog and when it came, it didn't quite look as good as you thought. It didn't quite work as good as you thought. Somehow it was disappointed. And after this happens a few times, we can get to, to be a little bit cynical, can't we? But have you ever seen it with the, with the little kids? I don't know about the, how they do it anymore, but I know when we were little kids, we had prizes inside cereal boxes. And the description of that prize on the outside of the cereal box made you so excited to get to the bottom of the cereal box and to get that prize. Of course, sometimes we got home and found out that it took five box, top, five box tops and a series of other things that you had to send in in order to get that particular item. And when I got there, it just wasn't quite as good as we thought. It wasn't as big. It wasn't as cool. And so we learned early on that we begin to tone our expectations down. We begin to become cynical. And here's what happens. We don't have quite the same hope that we used to have. Our attitude isn't quite as strong as it used to be. And last week we ended up with this question. How do I guard against having a bad attitude? We all can identify when someone has a bad attitude, right? Sometimes people say, I just haven't had my coffee today. Uh, Didn't get enough sleep last night. Whatever it might be, we have excuses for why we have the bad attitude. But nevertheless, we have the bad attitude. And if we are at work and somebody's got a bad attitude, doesn't word get around, stay away from so-and-so. They're not in a good mood today. Yeah, bad attitudes, we, we, we don't like them. We like to uh, stay away from people who have bad attitudes. A couple of weeks ago in this series on submission, we looked at some things on attitudes. We saw that David took on, took on 400 men to start, but then eventually grew to 600 men. And these men were the cream of the crop, right? They were the best of society. They had the best attitudes. They had the most money. Oh, they weren't, that wasn't the way it was? No, they were in debt, in distress, discontented. Doesn't sound like a very good group of people to me. But out of that 600, they traveled around with David for a number of years. And when David came to the throne and he needed people to assist him in all the different offices that he had, where did he go and get them? from his 600 men. And we found out in the story that some of those 600 men really soared. They were given an opportunity. They took on David's attitude. They shed their own attitude. And we looked at the exploits of some of the 300 men that are described in the Word of God. And these guys were something else. They became warriors. They became very good at what they did. And when David took over the throne, he needed these folks to stand in some other roles. And these people did. And they took them. But we also found out that out of that 600, not everybody got better. 
that at the end of it, we still saw there were still some worthless men in his ranks. It wasn't because they had bad leadership. It wasn't because they had a bad example. It was because they had a bad attitude and they did not let it go. And this will hold us back in areas of ministry if we don't get rid of bad attitudes. We gave you some things to focus on a couple of weeks ago. One was remembrance. Make sure that you develop this. You're told something once and you continually do it. Don't be continually told it and do it once. Diligence. You put in there for this. Am I doing what needs to be done? What I want done? What I feel should be done instead of what is desired that I do? That's a real test of submission there, isn't it? Joy. Focus on that. Keeping that in your life. That's attitudes in ourselves. Joy. It has nothing to do with people outside of you. It has nothing to do with your situation, how much money you've got, what your job is, what your house looks like. Joy is all inside. Jesus says in the Word of God that your joy may be full. Paul says, I write these things that your joy may be full. Serve. That's our attitude towards others. Make sure you stay in a place of service. An attitude of, of being a servant to other people. Last week we looked at John Mark. We saw that John Mark went along with Paul and Barnabas too, uh, who ended up being two of the greatest ministers that we saw in the book of Acts. They, they paired up and they went off on their ministry trip and they took John Mark. John Mark was the cousin of our nephew of uh, Barnabas. So he took him along and he got to the first place and he didn't really make it much beyond that. He hightailed it home. He got out of there. It was too much for him. And when they went again to, to go out on their second missionary journey, they split up all because of John Mark. A lot of times people point the finger at, at Paul. But they relied on him and they didn't have him. And Paul wanted someone he could rely on. And John Mark was not there yet. But eventually we saw that Paul had some dealings with John Mark. And John Mark went home and he turned his attitude around. He got himself ready and got himself ready for ministry. And years before he wrote, Paul wrote those words, send John Mark for he's of use to me. Years before that we see that John Mark was with Paul. And they'd already seen his value, that he had already come around and changed some things. We gave you this. Attitudes in ministry is more important than talent, training, and even results. Your attitude is huge. There were three types of ministry. Anybody remember what those are? Three types of ministry. All kinds of ministries, but there are three types. One type is those that can develop a person's attitude. You got a bad attitude. And how many of y'all know when we got born again, we had a bad attitude? I may not have realized it, but I had a bad attitude. And it had to be changed. It had to be made better. Because our flesh just corrupts our attitude. But, it is. <clears throat> but there are areas of ministry that can develop a person's attitude. Sometimes we get in our heads that until a person is perfected, until a person has been sanctified, until a person has developed themselves, that they're not eligible for any ministry at all. And yet we find out in the book of Acts that people were getting born again and put right into ministry. Now there are certain ministries that you can do that with, certain ministries that you don't. Paul even said, don't put a novice in this area of ministry, which meant there are some areas you can put a novice in because that's where you're going to develop. You're going to develop a ministry. I don't know, whatever it is that you do, if you play the piano, how do you get better? By playing the piano, right? If you play the drums, how do you get better? By, by playing the drums. If you're an usher, how do you get to be a better usher? <laughs> By serving as an usher. There's, there's no other way to, to do that. You know, I, I read on running. I like to run. 
I, it, one of the simplest things I ever saw is the way that you develop to become a better runner? Drunk. Now, there's a whole lot of other things you can do too, but the main thing you got to do, if you want to be a dancer, you got you to dance. Whatever it is that you want to do, if you don't do it, you aren't going to get better at it. So if you want to get and be a minister for God, for God's kingdom, and be prepared for God's kingdom, you must get involved in His kingdom, you must get involved in ministry, you must begin to do some things. But you've got to realize, my attitude may not be to the place where I can be used in all the areas of ministry that I want to be used in. We saw Paul and Barnabas, after that prayer session, what happened in that prayer, prayer time? Separate unto me now Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them. They had been in ministry for years. And now they were being separated for the ministry that God had called them to. Now they're ready. Those that can develop a person's attitude, that's the first one. After that, those that need one more seasoned. There are areas of ministry that require someone with a little bit more seasoning. A little bit more getting rid of some of those bad attitudes. And those that need absolute trust and confidence. God has a ministry, ministries out there, that need someone that He can absolutely trust and have great confidence in. And He wants you to get to that place where that can be. But here's what happens with a lot of people. We're in the first type of ministry, but in our mind, I should be in the third. And I begin to develop a bad attitude because people or God is keeping me out of it. The only thing that's keeping you out is your attitude. But you don't realize it. If you don't realize it, you can't fix it. Got to be able to fix some of these things. So we're going to look at these, this today. How do I, if I have a bad attitude, how do I get rid of it? Or if I have a good attitude... How do I keep myself from getting a bad attitude? And it's really simple how we do this. Brother Hagin used to tell us this all the time. He, I, I think he required it of his staff to read 1 Corinthians several times each month. I think that was a requirement on his staff. They had to just, just sit down and read it. <laughs> go over it. He, it you, you ought to go over it every once in a while, certainly uh, at least once a month. Because if you fail in the area of love, you will find a whole lot of things having a problem. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. We've taught on this a number of times. Last I looked up, it was about a year and a half we taught on this. But we're teaching on it in the area of submission, in the area of attitude this time. First off, it starts off, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. It's not telling you not to speak in the tongues of men or of angels. It's telling you that if you do it, but have not love, it does not sound very good. It does not function very well. It doesn't do anything good. No matter what you do in ministry, if you don't do it in love, it's no good. You've soured it. We've used an example before. Uh, We actually did a physical example, if you think back to it. But if I brought in a nice glass of uh, let's just not say water. Water is good for some people, but let's that's, that's just go above that. Chocolate milk. <laughs> I mean, really, who doesn't love chocolate milk? I, I don't know if anybody doesn't. There might be some out there, but if, if you're a person who doesn't love chocolate milk, then think of something else. If I had a nice, tall, cold, because chocolate milk needs to be cold, folks. I don't know about how you like it, but cold. Nice glass of cold 
chocolate milk. And I take a little bit of dirt from outside and sprinkle that in. How many of you want it? You see, a little bit of dirt can change our whole attitude about something. If you have a big, beautiful steak and someone sprinkles a little bit of dirt on it, what do you say about the steak? Oh, you know what? 99% of that is still steak. This is going to be good. <laughs> we, we don't always do that, do we? We, we look at that little tiny bit of, of dirt that's on there. In fact, even if you don't sprinkle any dirt, you just look like you sprinkle dirt. How many of you, it's ruined? It's, it's, it's done. Yeah, well, that's what, it, when we have a bad attitude, when we don't walk in love, that's what it does to our areas of ministry. Whatever it is that we do, we've got to stay in the area of love. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. We're all trying to attain to mountain-moving faith, we, we say. And he says, if you can do that, but haven't got love, it's nothing. Nothing. So he's got the, 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 import, the importance here to us that I must walk in love. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Can you imagine that? Someone comes up to you and says, Deny Christ, or I will burn you at the stake. And you say, I will not deny Christ. Go ahead and burn me. And they tie you up, light the fire, and you burn up for God. And have not love. What's he say about it? I am nothing. It profits me nothing. I got nothing out of it. Then he says, love suffers long and is kind. Love suffers long and is kind. Most of us in this area will suffer a certain amount. How many of you have your limits? How many of you know what those limits are? You ever, heard, you ever had this phrase come out of your mouth before? You're on my last nerve. Don't push it, buddy. I'm almost over the edge. What's that saying? I'm walking in love right now, but I'm just about ready not to. You have put me through suffering, and I'm about ready to not be kind. I am going to bite your head off, hit you in the face, whatever it might be. We are ready to, to do something, right? <laughs> but here's what he says, and this is the first thing he says about love. Love suffers long and is kind. How long is long? What happened when Peter asked Jesus, well, how much should I forgive? What did he say? <laughs> did he say, well, you know, a little bit more. No, he said, should I, should I do them seven times in a day? And he says, oh, 70 times seven. No matter how many times your brother sins against you, keep forgiving him. So how much should you suffer? I mean, suffer is a great topic, isn't it? We all love suffering. If we learn what it is the, about, about suffering, because whatever you're doing, take all those things we talked about. If you play the piano, ask Nikolai about this, there is suffering involved. You may enjoy playing the piano, but there is suffering involved. You've got to keep bang, banging on those keys even when your hands hurt. I heard people who started to learn how to play the guitar and show me their bloody fingers until they developed the calluses to, to, to play the guitar. 
If you're a dancer, my wife tells me the stories of when she was a dancer and the, the things that she went through. And then I started to get up the next day and, and do it again. But you have to get to the place where the suffering won't stop you. Love suffers long and is kind. I put this in your outline. If the love we walk in is affected by a little suffering, it is not God's love. And I'll tell you what, no matter what we suffer, compare it to what Jesus suffered. How many of you all want to stand in front of Jesus and say, Jesus, I have suffered more than you did. If we have not suffered to his level, <laughs> we, we have no place to talk. We have not suffered enough. Love suffers long and is kind. It doesn't say it acts kindly. It says it's kind. There's a difference between acting kindly while inside you're brewing and being kind. Now, if that's the case, we have either accepted a replacement or left what we had. We got the love of God to start off with, but we accepted a replacement along the way. Because love, according to the Bible here, love suffers long and is kind. So if I ever stop being kind, what did, I, what did I end up doing? I stopped walking in love. Now, kind does not always mean nice. Sometimes kindness is telling people the truth, but you do it in love. When the Word of God talks about us correcting others, how are we supposed to do it? In love. Now, how is it we learn obedience? How is it we learn submission? Hebrews 5, 8 through 9. Though he was a son, speaking of Jesus, yet he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. And having been perfected, he, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. We learn obedience, we learn submission through suffering. Well, if love suffers long and is kind... We're going to learn about love how? Through suffering. So when I stop suffering and decide to react and be mean and nasty, am I going to learn about love anymore? Mm -mm. I've ended it. People are going to make you suffer. Just know that. People are going to make you suffer. Who made Jesus suffer? People. Who made Paul suffer? People. Who made Peter suffer? Who made John suffer? You name the person in the Bible, the people who made them suffer are people. So it is. Now, what, what makes love being able to do this? Put these things in your outline for you. Love is, it is not turned or tuned into self. That's the first thing. God's love is not tuned into self. You've got to tune self out. If you tune self out, it's a whole lot easier to suffer and be kind. Why is it most times we are not kind? Because I feel like I have been wronged. I have not been treated right. Something with me is not right. You're not doing something I wanted you to do. So it's not tuned into self. It is selfless. Get these three things down. This is, this is huge. It is selfless. God's love is selfless, hope-filled, and growth-seeking. 
God's love is selfless, hope-filled, and growth-seeking. That's what kind of a love it is. Selfless, hope-filled, growth-seeking. Most attacks on your good attitude will come against one or more of these three areas. Think about it. When you went from a good attitude to a bad attitude, did not something attack you to make you become or go from being selfless to being self-centered? Well, I'm not getting. Well, they're not doing for me. Well, this they're not mindful of my needs here. Well, that's not right to do to me. But look at what I've done. We lose the selfless part. That's the first thing. That's what the attacks of the enemy will do. He'll get you to see how you are being wronged in whatever situation you are in. Think of it this way. You're at work. Work's been going great. Enjoying the job. Enjoying the people. You show up for work expecting the same kind of day that you've been having and all of a sudden something happens to make you think they're not paying you enough. They're working you too hard. You're getting a, a, a raw deal when someone else is getting something better and all of a sudden your focus is on you and what happened to your attitude? It went right down, didn't it? That's one of the, the attacks the enemy loves to do. The other area is, is being hope-filled. When you have a good relationship with a friend, how many of you are, that relationship is filled with hope? You see good things in that person. You see them doing good things to help you out. You see good future in that. You see all kinds of good things. And all of a sudden, something comes along to make you think, that person's not doing good for you after all. That person does not have your best interest. That person is not really ever going to go anywhere. That person does not honor the things that you are doing and the hope, fullness, the fullness of hope that you had in that thing is suddenly evaporated and now you are distrustful. What happens to your attitude? Doesn't it go downhill? Growth seeking. We have a good attitude and we come in and we're looking at, think of it, your children. Children are little, you're looking at them growing. You're seeing some, some progress and then all of a sudden you see relapse. And they go back to doing some things and all, no longer are you seeing growth. What's that do to your attitude? They're not growing in this. I've been, we've been doing this. We've been working on this. How long have we been doing We thought we were making progress and now look, we're back to where we started at before. And you're no longer focused on growth. Now you're going to beat this out of them what the enemy does. He's going to try and attack one of these three areas. There's other areas he can attack too, but these are three areas he can get into, he can focus on, and he will take a good attitude and tear it down in moments. It doesn't take long. Let's go on in our verse here. Verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked and thinks no evil. I put, your, I put it this way, summed it all up this way. Love is not selfish. Love is not selfish. Love suffers long in this kind. Love does not envy. Love does not go out there and say, I should have that. I should be doing that. I should get that. That should be mine. Love is not envious. If I begin to become envious of what other people have, and it's not just cars and houses and money. It can be ministry. It can be opportunities. 
It can be friends. It can be all kinds of things. But we become envious. How come I don't have that? And that person does. What did they do? Did they deserve it more than me? Love does not envy. It doesn't say here, it doesn't envy six days out of the week. It doesn't say it doesn't envy all but an hour out of a month. It says it doesn't envy. So if I ever become envious of what someone else has, what happened to love? I I accepted a replacement. Threw it right out the window. Love does not parade itself. Don't you all know, we all sometimes want to go out there, look at what I did. Look what I've been through. Look at this, look at this. We want to show these things. But that's not love. Love is okay with other people not knowing what you've been through, not knowing what you did to get here. It's all right. Does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Don't get puffed up about yourself. This is what the enemy likes to do. He tries to puff us up and tell us stuff like, God does not know what he has in you. If God knew how devoted you were, how sincere you were, you'd be doing much more... If you were following me instead of God, you'd be in a whole lot better shape. I should be in better shape. I should be doing these things. And we begin to think this this sort of stuff. Does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Look at verse 5. It does not behave rudely. Can you ever think of a time when you behave rudely? Now, most of the time we behave rudely. We know we're behaving rudely. We threw manners out the window. This especially happens when a telemarketer come, calls at the dinner hour. This especially happens when a political party calls and asks you for money at the wrong time. Right? This especially happens when we call customer service to get a simple answer to a problem. And they want all kinds of things first. We had to you know, Christian, one, he's, he's stationed over in Hawaii now. And so I thought I'd be a little preventive maintenance. And I, I thought I'd call up Verizon because we would be calling him on our cell phones to his cell phone. That's the only thing he's got. I thought, I'm just going to check because Hawaii is a, it's a good distance away. I just want to make sure that we're, we can call out there and not have a problem. So um, I got online and I got one of those chat sessions. Because, you know, the chat sessions, you don't have to sit there on, on hold. I like chat sessions. Got on, on chat session. And uh, I, just, I just had a simple question about a plan. Is Hawaii included in the Verizon wireless plan? That's all I wanted to know. And they say, can you state your name as it appears on your bill? So I type it in. They already have my phone number and all that sort of stuff. I already put that in there. All right. Can you, we, we need to confirm some things. Can you give me your address where the bill is mailed to? I give them the address where the bill is mailed to. Can you give me the security question, the security uh, code to access your account? I said, I don't want to access my account. All I want to do is find out this, this question. Does this go on? Well, we can't tell until we can access your account. <clears throat> we have to find out what kind of a plan you're on and so forth. <sighs> All right, fine. So I type it in. Wait a little while, it comes on back. Hawaii is not included in your plan. Really? I said, well, it is on your map. Well, it's not in your plan. You'll have to call this number, customer service number, and get it added. 
figure, well, this is going to be an extra expense, but, you know, we've got to be able to call Hawaii. Okay. Do you need the number? No, I have the number. So I hung up the chat session and I called the Verizon wireless people and talked to them on the phone. Much different attitude on the phone. Yeah, how you doing? I'm good. They said, I just have a question on the account. I just uh, didn't ask me for any security information, nothing at all. I said, I'm just trying to find out, is Hawaii in our plan? He says, well, just take a look at what plan you're on. I see that you're on our, and he named the kind of plan I'm on. He says, well, of course Hawaii is included in that. It's in our network. I said, oh, well, I was on the session and they told me it wasn't. And I had a call to get it put on. No, no, it's, uh, it's on the map. It's part of the U.S. Uh, it's that if you were trying to call Mexico, that might be something different. I said, I don't want to call Mexico. <laughs> I, just, I just want to call Hawaii. <laughs> he says, no, call all you want. It's on the plan. It's, it's all good. Now, how many of y'all know you could develop a bad attitude with a relationship with a customer service person who's, who's in there, right? Why are you asking me these questions? Why are you doing all this sort of stuff? And um, I have some stories that didn't go quite as well. And I, I didn't stay quite as, as calm and cool. I'm usually pretty calm and cool. I was on the phone one time with, I think, the absolute worst, in my experience, the absolute worst customer service people in the industry is HP. I refuse to buy certain things because I have dealt with them before. Then they mess with my Christianity. <laughs> I just let you know about that. They they mess with me a little bit in that. If I want to find out suffering and walking in love, I can call HP and we can we can have a growth session. <laughs> I called one time just to find out how to change the toner cartridge in their printer. Forty-five minutes later, I'm still asking him how to do it. And he's still qualifying me whether I should be able to answer, ask this question or not. Forty-five minutes. He's still not sure whether he can answer, whether he wants to answer my question or not. My, I was down in the basement. This printer was down in the basement. I was down in the basement. My family heard me upstairs and they stayed away. <laughs> they, they stayed away. They, when I came up, they said, what in the world happened? <laughs> love suffers long and is yeah that didn't work out so well for me there did it we've had those times when it has pushed us beyond the beyond our realm but that's just showing us that we're not quite walking where we need to be need to be walking right now and uh, you know if you can if you can be nice to people they'll generally work on your behalf a whole lot more than if they're mad at you brother Keith Moore you told us that one time we are listening to him he says, you know, people call all the time for him to come out and minister and to, and to do things. And um, he just can't supply all, all the requests. And he doesn't go wherever people ask him to go. He goes where God tells him to go. He's made that very, very abundantly clear. If God tells him to go someplace, he doesn't care if it's big, small, whatever it is, he'll go. But uh, one person was, was calling up and uh, they weren't getting the response that they wanted. And finally, they got short with the staff. They started yelling at the staff and being, being harsh and you know, demanding some things. And, uh, and Brother Keith, was relating the story, he says, now, does that person think that treating my staff that way is going to make me want to go out and see them? <laughs> yeah, just re- remember that. Keep people on your side. They'll do more. But it does not behave rudely. But we've all had times when things have pushed us to that place where we want to be rude. I know I'm being rude. But they're being more rude. <laughs> and I have to face, I have to confront rudeness with being rude. 
does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. This is a hard one. Most times we are looking for what we benefit in any relationship and in anything that we do. Very seldom do we look to how can I benefit them. And yet that's what love says it is. Love does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked and thinks no evil. Now, this word here, is not provoked. Very interesting word. This word is used twice in the New Testament. Two times this word is used. It is not provoked. Now, if you know that this word is used twice, how many of y'all want to know what the other verse is? Where else is this one used? Because he says, don't be provoked. If you're wondering what provoked is in the Greek, the best way to go find that out is, let's go see where this word was used. And that's over in Acts chapter 17, verse 16 through 17. This will confuse you even more. Who wrote 1 Corinthians? Paul. Verse, 17, verse 16 of chapter 17. Now while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him. Same exact word. His spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. How many of you think if you're going to be provoked, that's a good cause right there. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. You can go back and read the rest of the story about this. Paul is provoked in his spirit at the idolatry. And he responds out of the being provoked. Now, most of us would look at this and say, I would be provoked too. Idolatry all over the place. Now, when Paul went to Corinth, does he ever write a letter to the church at Corinth? When Paul goes to Ephesus, does he ever write a letter to the church at Ephesus? He went to Philippi and got kicked out after a week. Does he write a letter to the church at Philippi? Yes, he does. He goes to Thessalonica. Does he write a letter to the church of Thessalonica? Two of them, yes, right. Two to the Corinthians, too. Where is the letter to the church of Athens? You don't have one in your Bible? You don't have a letter to the church of Athens? Why don't we have a letter to the church of Athens from Paul? It would seem Paul didn't start a church there. Not saying a church didn't get started. But it doesn't seem that Paul started a church there. Why? Because he ministered to them out of being provoked. And he argued with them well. Read the rest of the chapter. He argued with them well, but there were no converts. There were no miracles. And he even writes later on to some uh, a nearby church that when I came to you, and if you go through the book of Acts, you find out from here, he goes into another place and he changes the way that he ministers. And he doesn't go in arguing. He goes in with the power of God and demonstration of the Spirit. He learned something here. How I did this in Athens didn't work. Don't be provoked. We could spend a whole long, lot of time on that, but we're going to keep him going. We want to get the whole, the whole view of this. Because it, it gets me more fun. How many of you having fun so far? Well, love is not selfish. He says here, it does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks 
How much evil? No evil. No evil. No evil it thinks. Love does not think evil. Now, think about this past week. How many of you have thought evil of someone? Hmm. It thinks no evil. Wow. Well, what about somebody who goes in and shoots up a whole bunch of people? I can think evil about them, right? Well, what they did was wrong. I can think evil of the things that they did. But what's God's concern? He wants to turn that person, get them to be a believer. Now, if they don't want to listen, what's God going to do? He'll take them out. But that doesn't mean we have to go around thinking evil. It also doesn't mean you have to be a pacifist. If you are in a bank and a man comes in and starts shooting people, I say man because most of the time somebody comes into a bank or another place and shoots people, it's a man. Doesn't happen too many times that women go into places and start shooting people. I'm not saying that there aren't women out there who won't. I'm just saying that it doesn't happen most times. <laughs> it's usually a man. Man goes into the bank, starts shooting people, and you have a gun. What should you do? Should you negotiate? No. This person has come in shooting people, killing people in the bank. God loves them too that he's shooting. You need to stop that one. How are you going to stop them? Got shoot him. What you got to do? Go back to the Old Testament. You find out what God did with people who didn't want to change. Anyway, just uh, don't don't get those those kind of things here. But does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, does not provoke, thinks no evil. This word thinks no evil. It's one word in the Greek. Thinks no evil. It comes from the Greek word logizomai. It means keeping accounts, recordings, and so forth. Romans two twenty six. Therefore. If an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirement of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? There'll be an account there. Do not keep an accounting of people who do wrong. Don't have a little book and make marks in it. Don't be doing it in your head. Well, they did this to me before. It means if someone, if you have forgiven someone, if they have asked for forgiveness and you have forgiven them and they do the same thing again, you are not to bring an account of the thing before. This is how we think evil of people, right? You did this to me before. You're always in this way. You're always... This is how we begin to think evil of people. We go back to the account. We go back to the registry. How many times have they done this before? It thinks no evil. It keeps, does not keep account of evil doing. Romans 4 is the same thing as verses there if you want to go check it, check it out. So I put this in your outline for you. Basically, love is concerned with giving itself, not asserting itself. Love is concerned with giving itself, not asserting itself. Now, here's the reason for that. When we get born again, this life is just an investment in what is to come. If you are not born again, this life is all you have. But once we get born again, we have heaven. What we do down here carries on over there for what we do in the spirit. So we look at this. Everything we do here is an investment. Therefore, I'm not out to attain all I can for me. I'm out to attain what I can for the kingdom. So basically, love is concerned with giving itself, not asserting itself. 
How much can I give of myself? How much can I do in the spirit, in the area of love, that I can throw things over to the other side? That's what we want to do. Love, here's the next one. Love rejoices in truth. That's what he says here in 1 Corinthians 13, 6. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. That's what love does. Love rejoices in truth. Anytime truth wins out, love is happy. It does not like it when iniquity goes on, when evil is continued to shine, when lies are not exposed. It, wants to, it rejoices in truth. That's what it's, it's good about. But now, look at the rest of this. We still qualify this a little bit more. Verse 7, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The word there, bears all things, comes from the word stego. It means to cover with silence, endure patiently, bear or suffer. When it says to bear all things, what it basically means is this. You don't go talking about what someone did to you, to everyone you can, putting them down and yourself up. Love bears all things. Love says No one needs to know what you put me through, what I've been through. All they need to know is you're you're moving on. And that love will cover that up. No one else needs to know about what happened here. It bears all things. It believes all things. That's what love does. When the enemy wants to mess with your attitude, he just sows a thought into you that this person over here that has done this to you, they're no good. They're a suspicious character. You always thought something was wrong with them, didn't you? Uh-huh. Bears all things, believes all things. Brother Keith, we were listening to him just uh, recently this week, and he was uh, talking about uh, malice. And he said, you know, as malice, the Word of God says, as mal- in malice, be as babes. In other words, don't, uh, don't mess with them. People are starting to put you down and stuff like that. He said he was in, uh, in a meeting and there were people in his church, they were at this meeting, and they started calling down certain things that were being done in the body of Christ. And this person in the front of the church came on up to Brother Keith afterwards and said, Brother Keith, do you know they were talking about you? He says, no, they weren't talking about me. About me. He says, are you kidding? They did everything but call your name. No, and malice be as babes. Don't worry about it. Don't believe the best. If you hear, this will, this will really help you out if you ever, ever get to this, this place. How many of you have ever heard a report from somebody about a friend of yours and that report was unflattering? What do you think about that? You go off and you hear that report and you begin to think about that friend and you begin to think about that report. I can't believe that they did that to me. I, I, I can't believe that. Why would they do that? Oh. And before you ever talk to them, you've already decided in your mind that they hurt you, said something, and it may never have happened. These kind of things happen. We see it all the time in the, in the news. How many heard that report? With uh, um, uh, Dr. Ben out there, but he's out there with the uh, West Point. Did you ever hear about the West Point story? Yeah. 
Was that the most ridiculous thing? A story, once again, the media completely made up. Published it in the Politico. And, um, by the way, Politico was the one that started the attack against Herman Cain in the previous election. Same place. But anyway, they started this thing up and they said that they had, it said in the article, that they had, uh, they had contacted the Carson campaign about the West Point story and that the Carson campaign re, uh, renounced, uh, basically pulled back and said, no, we, all that was untrue. And basically, they were saying that the Carson campaign said they lied. Political never contacted the Carson campaign. The Carson campaign never commented on any of it. And all they were commenting on was a book that he wrote that said that when he was in an ROTC and he was soaring, that he met a general and the general said, we'd like to have you come to West Point and we'll give you a, basically a free ride. He heard that as a scholarship. Well, if you get accepted to West Point, folks, you don't pay anything. You give service. No one pays anything to go to West Point. If you get appointed, if you receive an appointment and you accept it and you go, it's on their nickel, not yours. That's the way it always works. But to a high school student, it probably sounded like a scholarship because that's how most, it may, it may even said scholarship because that's how most of those folks were thinking at the time. Anyway, he put it in there, Zach. Wrote in the book, simply this, that uh, they discussed it. He said he would like to have you come. He said he thought about it, but never applied, never attended, never pursued it because he wanted to be a doctor. And the Politico made it sound like, and for many people in this country, all they will ever hear is that Dr. Ben Carson lied about going to West Point. He never said he went to West Point. But people will believe that. Now, we've seen story after story where they have done this. Dan Rather lost his job because he fabricated a news article. There was an incident that happened down in Florida where the shooting went on. Uh, they took the, the, we went over it before, they took the audio recording and altered it, changed the order of how things were said so that a certain person would sound like he was racist. But they had to alter, and I don't mean just cut it and made it shorter. They altered it and made him what was here, move over here, what was here, move it over here. Did all that and put it out. Well, if we know not to believe the news media, hopefully you do. Don't bring them into your homes, folks. If you do, you're bringing in lies. And you won't know where the truth is. Be careful with it. If we know not to do that, why do you trust what someone says to you about someone close to you, a dear friend, whatever it might be? Why would you trust it? First off, throw it out of your head. Don't even consider it. If you really have to do something about it, just go to, do you know that so-and-so said this about you? But believe the best in that person. That's what the Bible says to do. That's what love does. Yeah, but I could get hurt. What are you doing? You're getting self-centered, self-focused. What are you supposed to be? Kingdom-focused. The enemy has succeeded in getting you from being kingdom-focused to self-focused, nullifying most of what you're going to do in ministry. Don't let them do it. If you fall out of love, whatever you do for God does not count. Don't fall out of love. Maintain it. Keep yourself there. It's huge, folks. It's, you've got to keep walking in love. It's a hard thing to do. There's all kinds of people that are trying to pull you out of walking in love. But God's love is more powerful. Stay with it. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all 
things. If you ever get to a place where you say, I cannot endure anymore. You are no longer walking in love. Why? Because love endures all things. Can you imagine being, look at it this way. Can you imagine being in a place where nothing that comes against you wears you out? Nothing plays on your mind. Nothing gets you to think bad things about anybody. Can you imagine the state of being like that? That's what love is. If you get yourself in the walk of love, nothing anyone does will ever wear you out. It doesn't mean that you have to be that good. It means the love of God is that good. You will never wear out. Never. Glory to God. Love believes and hopes. That's what it does. It believes and it hopes. That's what love does. Now, gossip exposes love covers. Or if you go out and you begin to talk about someone else that you know and the things that they've done, you are gossiping. You're not talking to the people that are involved. You're talking to other people. Gossip exposes love covers. Gossip is a way to pull people out of the love of God. Proverbs 10, verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is the well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Continue on believing, folks. Continue on hoping. These are based on love in you and the goal it has as its direction. That love that's in you has a direction, has a goal for your life and the life of the people around you. Follow it. In 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. We're not done with what we know in part. There's still prophecies. There's still tongues. There's still knowledge. None of that has gone away yet because the perfect hasn't come. Now, there's debate about what the perfect is. Some people say, well, it's the Bible. Well, as far as I know, when the people had the Bible, they were still prophesying. They were still speaking in tongues. Perfect hasn't come yet. There is a perfect kingdom that is coming upon this earth, headed by a perfect king. And it's not here yet. When that's here, we won't need those other things. But until it is, those things help us out. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. We've got to have love. If we don't have love, it's not going to work the hope. If we don't have love, it's not going to work the faith. You've got to have these things going on in your life. They're huge. You've got to get this. If you walk in love, you will never have a bad attitude. Never. If you walk in love. If I have a bad attitude, I have stepped out of love. Now, I've got to go back and find out what I've got to do. Now, I put this in your outline. Has your good attitude been attacked? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can all just say that, right? Our good attitude is, has been attacked. You cannot have a good attitude without it being attacked. Can't have it. If you have a good attitude, the enemy will notice and the enemy will attack. 
does not like good attitudes. Good attitudes breed an area of submission, walking in love, faith, confidence in God. We can't have that. We've got to get these bad attitudes in there. Most times, it is not what was said or done, but what we think about what was said or done. There are times people have said something to us and I think that person was slighting me, was cutting me down. They may not have had that thought in their head at all, but I think it. It's about what I think a person says or does more so than what they say or do. You've got to be guarded against that. In malice, what's the word of God to say? Be as babes. All right. I want you to go find a baby sometime this week and I want you to call it names. Call that baby all kinds of names. You good for nothing. What, what, what would that baby do? Just laugh, smile at you. Just having a great old day. They, they don't care. <laughs> right? Be, as malice, be as what? Babes. That's how you be. People say all kinds of manner of evil stuff against you. What should you do? <laughs> how you doing today? <laughs> Isn't this a great day? Mm. Do you see your bad attitude as good? There are times, folks, we have developed a bad attitude and we think it's a good one. I think I'm doing pretty well. People have abused me. People have said all manner of evil things against me and I'm still showing up. (laughs) We can sometimes think that our bad attitude is good. What's God think about it? Now think about this. What tenet of love came under attack for you? Those three we gave you. Those three things we gave you selflessness, hope. What, what is it that's come under attack for you? To turn a bad atti- attitude around. How many of you want to know how to turn a bad attitude around? Don't raise your hand on this. But how many this week would say that you have a bad attitude? No, don't raise your hand on that. You can raise your hand on the other stuff. But don't, raise, don't, don't let anybody know I have a bad attitude. That's, that's not going to help you out. But I, we all want to turn it around. You can raise your hand on that. That's all right. Well, we have a bad attitude. I want to turn it around. We can turn it around. Here's how you do it. To turn a bad attitude around, this is real deep, walk in a good one. If you want to turn around a bad attitude, walk in a good attitude for a while. You'll turn it around. Well, look at it this way. How did you, how did you go from a good attitude to a bad attitude? You walked in a bad attitude. You were walking in a good attitude and somebody said something. Gave you an opportunity to pick up a bad attitude. What'd you do? I picked up the bad attitude. I walked in that for a while. Now I'm in a bad mood. How'd I get there? I walked in the bad attitude. How are you going to get out? Go back to walking in the good attitude. What's you got to do? Seven results of a bad attitude. This is not on your outline. Right out of space. Seven results of a bad attitude. You can write these down. You can just listen to them. Or you can just pull them off of the uh, MP3 or... Whatever it is which you want to listen to later on. Seven results of a bad attitude. First, people don't like to be around you. That's the result of a bad attitude. If you have a bad attitude, people do not like to be around you. If you want to ask the question, do I have a bad attitude, how many people hang with you? <laughs> well, you may not like to ask that question. All right, number two. People don't want to do things for you. If every time you call up customer service, the customer service person is always in a bad mood and doesn't do anything for you, you might want to look in the mirror. It might be your problem. It might be something that you are doing. Number three, 
we quench the love of God. You walk in a bad attitude, this is one of the results. You will quench the love of God in your life. Number four. This is huge. What we do for God doesn't count. As long as I have the bad attitude, whatever I do for God doesn't count. I can sing on the worship team. I can be an usher. I can lay hands on the sick in the grocery store. I can preach a message. I can spend hours in the prayer room. And it will count nothing. Nothing will be put to my account. That'd be kind of like you going to work, working for eight hours in a day, and the boss says, I'm not going to count it. Why not? You had a bad attitude. I don't care what kind of attitude I had. I got the work done. Nope, you had a bad attitude. What we do for God doesn't count. Number five, we won't grow those around us. If you have a bad attitude, you will not grow the people that are around you. You won't do it. They will flounder. They will not develop. They will not get better. Just because people around you aren't growing doesn't mean you have a bad attitude. But if you have a bad attitude, they won't grow. Not as a result of anything you're doing. Number six, we lose our joy, peace, and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. If you have a bad attitude and you walk in that bad attitude, you lose your joy, peace, and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. You pick up that bad attitude, you cannot hear what the Spirit is saying. Your peace is gone, and so is your joy. Why? Because i got a bad attitude. Number seven. We don't enjoy the life we have. If you have a bad attitude, it's as simple as this. You don't enjoy the life you have. God wants you to enjoy the life. He wants what you're doing to count. He wants these things. He wants you to have a good attitude. Be on guard. Understand, if you have a good attitude going on, you are a target. Understand how he's going to come. He's going to come against those three areas. He'll come against other areas, but those three areas are huge. He's going to try and get you to become self-focused. He's going to get you to lose your hope that that person is not going not to do anything. You don't see anything for growth for the people that are around you. He's going to attack these things. If he does, he will pull you into a bad attitude in seconds. You can walk in a good attitude for weeks and months and be pulled into a bad attitude in seconds. Be careful. Know that your enemy is trying to pull you into this. Don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. Laugh at him. You stay in the area of love. What he does is comical. If you get out of love, what he does is severe. As long as you are walking in love, you can laugh at what the enemy is trying to do. Because in love, it's a powerful force. You can get along with people that other people cannot. You can get along with your spouse. You can get along with your kids. You can get along with that pesky neighbor. You can find ways to help those people around you grow get better and people are going to say I need to be around this person more they might even say that to them directly to to themselves but they just begin to find out I'm going to hang around this person this person's helping me 
Yeah, it's a whole lot better place to be. Would you all stand up? Father, you know we've all had bad attitudes in the past. We've all had times that we've gone from a place of a good attitude to a place of a bad attitude very quickly. But we can go just as quickly from a bad attitude to a good attitude because the love of God is that powerful. Help us, Father, to be on guard against these things that are trying to pull us down. The enemy wants to tell us that all these things are not our fault. They're being done to us. But that's not what your, your word teaches us. Your word teaches us that your love in us is a powerful force. Able to overcome all kinds of things. So help us, Father, to grow and to develop in these areas of love. Because as we do, we become more and more useful in ministry. And you can begin to trust us with things that you hadn't been able to. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You got some praise reports? All right. Well, you can stand or sit. We got some, some praise reports here on what God has done. I don't know where our microphone went to. It wasn't working? I don't like to hear that. Huh. Um, so what's that? If we use another microphone, we're not getting it on the recorded message as much. You think it's going to go? Okay. I was going to give her mine. A little harder to... Yeah, I don't like that. All right, this is from Candy. She says, Thank God and praise the Lord for an unexpected financial blessing. Praise God. She said, Our TV stopped working and we were able to buy another one. And this is awesome. Bobby is cancer free. Praise God. Praise God. No more remission, just completely healed. Hallelujah. And Susan, praise the Lord. 20 people came out for her um, author event. That was just this past week. Um, the library put out a beautiful spread of cookies and brownies. There was a lively question and answer time followed by the book signing. Um, and it was a great encouragement to her. So praise God for that. That's the first of many, I'm sure, coming here. Um, now says, God has been so good to me and my family in the midst of some setbacks and, and caused us to retain our joy and faith in him. For me personally, Psalm 30, um, verses 11 and 12, um, you have turned... Turn from me my morning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. To the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent, O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Praise God. Um, This one, Nick says, I praise God for this church, for it is a place of worship and love. It is a place that facilitates growth. I thank God for the people here. Um, Pastor Steve and Miss Connie, who have provided a church that has helped me change my attitude. God told me this week that I am here with good people, but different people. It is the differences that will bless you. Um, he made us different to help one another um, without <coughs> uh, with our ministries, and I thank, uh, thank all of you for your ministries, for they have blessed me in more ways than I can count. Praise God. And that's, you know, it's awesome when we understand that, yes, God created us all in his image, but yet we're all still different, all have different gifts that add together, come together, and just bless each other. Um, any other praise reports before we go on to some announcements? I do want to give a praise report. My son did make it to Hawaii, okay, with all packages in tow. So <laughs> um, the 
the, uh, the Operation Blessing, those um, shoeboxes that we gathered together, we were able to get 18 together this year, being our pretty much our first year doing it. And um, I'm waiting to see because we gave them all to Alicia next door to take into her school. They're doing a, a competition at, at the school, and the class that brings in the most gets a pizza party. So I'm praying that she gets this pizza party. Um, secondly, Allie, do you want to come up and give announcements as to the um, the Christmas show? It's really, I'm getting really excited about it because, come on up. Um, it's still being announced on social media. We've got a lot of families that are responding to it. So I'll let Melissa tell you about it. <laughs> well, I mean, <coughs> hello. So we do have more families that are coming in by the day. I mean, I'm not promoting anymore. They're coming to me. They're finding the things themselves. People are telling them about it. At this point, we are right around that 30-child mark. We have 10 families for sure. Only one of those families has one kid. All the other families has two, three, four, five, and a grandkid or, you know, other things that are, that are going on. Um, I don't know the backstory of all these people. Some I do know are single parents. Some have lost jobs. Some had to take in grandchildren, so things are really tight right now. It's, it's everything and anything you can think of. Um, so we did institute last week starting the, the adopt-a-child type situation rather than just donate toys because it ended up being most of the kids that we had in, and I want to say most, a lot of the kids we had in are the preteen to teenage age groups. So they're not necessarily toy-driven age groups. <laughs> um, we do still have a lot of kids left to adopt. If you would like to adopt a specific age, specific gender, let me know. I will give you their, their family name, their age. You go, you buy whatever you buy, and you bring it back here. If you are not a shopper, if you don't have time, if you're just like, hey, I don't know what to buy a teenager, some people have given money as well and said, hey, use it where it's needed to be used. With that being said, um, I am asking that any gifts, any, any monetary, anything that you guys are willing to do be in by next Sunday, the 29th. That way we make sure that we have enough for all of the kids, that everything is age appropriate, so on and so forth. Um, and I also have to wrap everything. <laughs> so that gives me enough time to do that. Um, on any of the, the pages that, that I hand to you, there, we, we did not ask these children, what's your Christmas list? We're not Santa Claus. <laughs> That's not the, the, the point of this. So I have some suggestions for each age group. I know myself, like Mandy and Jen, your girls' age group, I am out of touch with. I have no idea what seven, eight, nine-year-old girls are into right now. Um, but we do have parents in the church. If you get, you know, a 15-year-old boy, go to Phyllis, go to Bruce. They have them. They can tell you what they would like. We're looking for ideally, and I probably should check with this, in my head, ideally two to three items per kid for them to be able to open. Um, if you can only do one, that, okay, you do one. That's fine. We'll, we'll double up with somebody else to do more than that, but at least two, hopefully three. And that can be one of those, you know, big old candy bars you get for a dollar at five below. It's just something for them to be able to open. Um, so if you have any questions, if there's anything, within this time is Black Friday. So there's lots of fun stuff you can get there for the teenage age group. Um, everything from the headphones and the, the portable speakers and iTunes cars, all of that stuff is, is welcome and it's, it's, it's awesome. For that night of the concert, this place will be packed. <laughs> That's their prerequisite. They have to be here to get said gifts. Now, I don't want you to bring in your gifts and that person doesn't arrive and you freak out. There are some that have said, hey, I work Friday nights. I have a second job. I deliver pizzas. I can't be there. They will be here Sunday morning. And I guess we'll go over more of that specific stuff later. But anyway, um, 
they will be packed. That doesn't mean we don't want you guys to be here. We need you guys to be here to be talking to them, to be interacting with them, to be loving on them as they're getting these gifts. That's the whole point. Some people have asked me, well, why do I have to be there? Because we want to see you. We want to know who you are. We want to be able to bless you as the parents as well as blessing your kids with the gifts. There are organizations out there where they can just pull up to a warehouse, they'll dump toys in their, in their truck and take them away. That's not what we're about at Zoe. We want to interact with them. Um, so if you have questions, if there's any other Anything I didn't cover, let me know. Again, anything and everything is due by the next week. That way, when you forget, if you forget, I have another week to get it in. <laughs> so, yeah. Does that make that, that makes good sense. All right. We are um, excited to see this thing uh, mushroom out, and we'll, we'll plan it a little bit more ahead of time. Uh, oh, I just turned this off. I'm sorry. I uh, have it. Next year, we'll start this even sooner. But uh, we just came up with the idea a few weeks ago just to say, instead of just giving money and giving toys, if you want to adopt a child and this is your child to go buy for, that just seemed to me like it might be more fun for some of you. If some of you say, no, that's more work. I don't like that. <laughs> that's fine. You can either um, uh, just give in money to the thing and we'll be shopping. To, Alyssa's already got a list made up. She's going to be hitting Good Friday sales and, and going on doing some things. So if you don't want to do the shopping, you can just put the uh, gives. I have some money I want to give to it, and that's fine. You can do that. But if it was something you liked to go out and shop for the for the one, we wanted you to have that opportunity and just adopt the the child that way. So they are coming out here. Uh, they're going to come out and get the Christmas messages. I don't know if they are in a church. If they're not in a church, we're looking that if they're not in a church, we'd love them to come on back and to come out of here on Sunday. We're working on some things to get them to come out for the next couple of Sundays to uh, to, to to keep out for for that and to, to see them there. Um, so right now, 10 families coming out to church on Friday night to see this play, bringing around 30 children. That's pretty cool, isn't it? What night is the... It's the December 11th. December 11th, uh, 7.30. So that's the, the time of that. Um, it is up on Facebook. If you are on the church Facebook page, all that stuff is, is in there for you. But the, that's what's going on there. We want you to be able to interact with the, the folks that come on out and just love them and just... Just uh, enjoy them all. That's going on. So uh, next week, let's, let's work to getting those, those things again. Again, if you don't have time for the shopping, you don't have to. There's other ways that you can, you can do this and still be a part of it. If you cannot be a part of it, that's okay, too. Still come out on the night and help us love on the folks that are coming on out. You need what? You need to talk to Zoe parents before you? Oh, the, the, especially the ones that are involved in the... We need to see all the Zoe parents that are, the kids are involved in. We're doing all kinds of things at the show... Uh, everything's around the Christmas story. We're letting these people know about the Christmas story. And a lot of the kids are involved in doing some things. And there's some, some dances going on. There's some musical things. There's some solos. There's all sorts of stuff going on. So it'll be a, a real musical night that'll be going on. Wednesday night, we're going to be in here. We're going to be looking at a story of a man who's going to do horrible things. God knows about it. God predicts it and doesn't stop it. Have you ever wondered why God knows something nasty is coming and he doesn't stop it? Why is it that God doesn't stop these things? We're going to get into that on Wednesday night in the, uh, in the series we're doing on the Second Kings. So that's how happening. That information's in your bulletin if you want to catch up on that. That's uh, happening then. Men's breakfast is on Saturday, 8 o'clock over in the, the room next door. Uh, talk to Keith about that one and then we will see some of you here on Wednesday. We'll see some of you here on Sunday. Greet some folks before you go.